And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music, charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. What can Connor Cody do every 47.8 seconds? Beginner level goal kick ridicule from League One. The Jonathan Pierce bugbear wheel of fortune. Have ITV stumbled upon the most harmlessly inappropriate football theme music of all time? 28 seconds of dramatic dreary deliberation. Why saves are like sausages. Bambi on Ice is not an actual live show that happens on ice. What is the maximum number of minds a player can be caught in? And happy 30th birthday to Richard Keyes. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 182 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry. And with me for this adjudication panel is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Third podcast recording of the day for you after the Totally Show and the view from the lane. If if the Tottenham pod is your domestic bread and butter mm. and Totally, let's say, is your Champions League, is Clichés just kind of your FA Cup? No, I don't I don't think that's fair. Mm. I'd say I'd say View from the Lane and Clichés are both sort of my Premier League. Right. They're both the sort of regulars. And then I think totally is the sort of Champions League Fine. separate, not quite as regular, but still very important. Good, good, good to hear it. Thank God for that. Um, I'm pleased that you still have the intellectual energy left to talk about a handshake, if possible. <laughs> I mean, that may crop up. Alongside you for the adjudication panel is Nick Miller. Very important question for you first up, Nick. Go on. Uh, it was said on Sky on Sunday that the city ground, Nottingham, is a place that smells of football. Mm. Ian Austin's doggy daycare writes in and says, are we having this? No. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, I mean, I don't know. The, depends where you are on the city ground, but the, 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 if you're walking along the banks of the river, that, that waft off the, off the uh, River Trent can be quite unpleasant. So oh, I don't right. know. I don't know. What, what does football smell like? What, what, what is he, what's, the, what's the theory here? Romanticists will probably say onions, wouldn't they say, Charlie? Yeah, I I do sort of know what that's getting at. There are some grounds that do have quite a distinctive old groundy smell, (laughs) (laughs) and you know it when you smell it. Did we decide that the city ground was a famous old ground? I think we did, didn't we? Yeah, and I think that's all. I think that's part of it. Mm. Okay, hard to quantify, but you know it when you smell it. Yeah, we might return to (laughs) forest. Yes, we might return to Forest later on, but let's kick off the adjudication panel with an absolute slam dunk. This is from Paul Anderson and Jack Pierce, who found that the combination of Connor Cody and Everton Football Club was a match made in heaven for one very particular footballing subgenre. Cue the clip. The football club itself, it speaks for itself. I know the football club, I know what this football club means to the city, and I know what it means to to be part of this football club. I told you that I grew up around the city and it's something that I know how big this football club is. So it's to help the football club move forward as much as it possibly can. And <laughs> he loves everything about the football club. He's absolutely over the moon that I've managed to, to sign with the football club. Listen, I'm here to give absolutely everything I've got for this football club. I come in every day to try and help the lads and help the football club move forward and, and be ready for the football club whenever, whenever I'm needed. Because I, I talk about selling the football club, but we didn't have to. I just felt so comfortable when talking about the football club with him. And, 
we know that the club's a huge football club and he spoke <laughs> so, so highly of the football club as well and like I said I think we're all on the same page in terms of what we want to do for the football club we spoke about it already Bloody hell Charlie <laughs> just, just to give you some numbers behind the magic here 765 seconds his interview full interview was with Everton's in-house media team uh, he dropped in 16 football clubs which is one wow. every 47.8 seconds that is elite rate the club's a big football club. I think that was... That's like, That's got to be a motto of someone, somewhere, isn't it? The club's a big football club. There you go. Put it under a badge. But Nick, Paul and Jack were, were right here. Connor Cody and Everton, it's, it's, it's the perfect storm for football clubbing. I mean, he's obviously from the area. He has links beyond football. And uh, Everton is such a football clubby club. Extremely. In every football- possible sense. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and arguably you have the, the perfect manager for the football club. Mm. Football club. Um, I don't know. Football, Stuart, football club. Yeah, exactly. Stuart Pearce might be slightly. He's. I think he's slightly more of a, a fo- the football club man. Um, but he introduced, you know, in my mind, he introduced yeah. the football club. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was such a big football club man. Have we kind of dug down into why they people say the football club rather than just the club? Is it? I don't know. I think it's to give it an extra resonance and seriousness. Mm. I think it's a sort of shorthand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no question. Just, and that's why it lends itself more to Everton, because they, they have that vibe about them, rightly or wrongly. Mostly rightly, actually, I should say. <laughs> um, uh, there was another element of this interview, Charlie, um, which, which is part of the Frank Lampard myth, the growing Frank Lampard myth. I see this a lot about him, where Cody was talking about the phone call from Lampard to persuade him to join. And it feels like Lampard has this kind of magical ability to persuade people to do things over the phone. Every player he seemed to sign just seems to go, oh, once I spoke to him on the phone, the, the, you know, the vision he sold me, the way he spoke so passionately about how he wants to bring this club forward. It's like, wow. And the presentations he gives to, to players and stuff. It's like, Jesus, what does he do? I, I think that's quite a former player-y thing, isn't it? <laughs> that they have, you know, when it's, when it's the great Frank Lampard or the great Steven Gerrard, you know, they, they didn't have to say a lot, really, because they're sort of, their gravitas is such... They, they can sell you that vision just with the mere, hi there, it's Frank Lampard here. And maybe on, on top of that, Nick, maybe this sort of the, just the sort of, I don't know, 0.75 of a footballing generation that separates them is, is just the right amount for two people to connect between levels of a football club. If Lampard was older, sort of mm. Allardyce level, he wouldn't be able to connect with him. If he was too close to Cody, maybe that wouldn't, it would be too much friction. They wouldn't, they wouldn't get on. It's just the right amount, maybe. Yeah, this is this is his golden age, really, mm. which is you know doesn't uh, perhaps doesn't bode well for the rest <laughs> of his career. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of think if, if he does have these magical persuasive powers, then maybe he should be using them for something sort of better for humanity than signing Connor Cody. <laughs> oh, uh, not, no, well, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of money in that game, but I don't mm. know, maybe diplomacy or something. If he's yeah. if he really has this kind of magical or. or <laughs> If it only does work from um, for Premier League footballers aged, you know, between about twenty seven and thirty two, then maybe it is slightly more limited than mm. we think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> might might be quite as lucrative as we Probably thought. Diplomats of that sort of age who you know yeah. grew up watching Frank Lampard, who might be speaks Latin, impressed. So yeah, famous, yeah. famously speaks Latin. Could well yeah. be crossing divides sometime soon. Right next up, um, Rubicons. Yes, next up, um, the noted phenomenon. Of your shit, ah. A couple of things to run past you both here. Nick, first of all, a question from Hugh Dickinson, who simply asks, doing your shit, ah, from the sideline stand, is that acceptable? Uh, I'm not sure we ever covered this in the original (laughs) deep dive on your shit, ah. I mean, it's very much behind the goal concept. The closer to the goalkeeper you are, the better. But should people from the grandstands be doing it? Mm. Mm, It doesn't doesn't really fit right, does it? No, and... uh, It's not your uh, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... uh, yeah, I think only acceptable for fans behind the goal. Yeah, it's just, you know, you, you know, you choose to where you buy your ticket, Charlie, and if you bought a ticket for the main sideline stand, it's just not, you're not allowed. That's not, not, not your entitlement. I think, it, well, exception can be made for when the away fans are at the side, like, you know, Wolves. Yeah. Or, yeah, I or suppose Goosen so. Park. Yeah, then that's th- true. That's the, I mean, that, that's that's not really their fault. So Yeah, Hugh Dickinson didn't <laughs> specify whether it was home or away. Um, that could be crucial here. If it's well, an allocation issue, then yes, yeah. you are allowed to yeah, do it. true. They should print that on the back of the ticket. Uh, That question was a mere warm-up for what's about to follow, because meanwhile, at Wickham Wanderers versus Shrewsbury this weekend, someone appeared to engage in their very, very first Your Shit Hour. 
<laughs> the amateurishness of it, Charlie, so endearing. That's really, I really like that because it's even the start of it is wrong, mm. and I thought that might be the thing, but then yeah, it just goes. Uh, I mean, because it, it's so fun with all of these things. We just there are these rules, you know, and and that's not that far away. It's mm. not like oh, you know. Your shit, ah, you you shit bastard, or whatever. Yeah, but uh, it's just so wrong. The rhythm is awful. Nick. Yeah, I mean, it I, I don't work. mind the optional bastard being thrown in. That's that's a regional thing, but just the, the pause before the ah, I mean, defeats the whole point of it for me. Or well, it was it was also for, to uh, explain the visual element. It was also very badly timed because the the ah came so, too far after oh, the goalkeeper right. kicked the ball. So you gotta you gotta time these things right yeah. if you're gonna. Although it, it did look like it was from behind the goal, so yeah. at least there's the, that box ticked. But yeah, it was the manic release of the R at the end. <laughs> we just hear it again, just just the, the final bit of it. Oh, you shit bastard! <laughs> the problem here. Is lung capacity, Nick. If you can't get it all out in one go and you have to take a breath before the hour, then you're in the wrong game. Yeah, Practice. well, they've, they've, just listening to it back there, another problem that uh, came up was that, the, the, again, to do with the timing, they went too sort of too intense and too high too early. Yeah. So, it, you, obviously, it's supposed to be more of a, ooh, and, but they went a little bit too intense as, I think, even before the goalkeepers started their run-off. So. Almost, Charlie, as if someone had explained your shit R as a concept to them and then just left them to it and said, right, figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be fine. No one will <laughs> Also, because as soon as you pause, the spell is broken. You can't stop. Yeah. You can't have a silence and then go back for more. It has to be that clean movement. Completely. I hope whoever did it is listening and, and taking all these notes on board. Next up, this is from Marco J., who, Charlie, spun the Jonathan Pierce bugbear Wheel of Fortune on Sunday night, and this was the result. Absolutely sensational strike from Lees Malou to equal this game. But the ball wasn't in the quadrant. And it so very often isn't. <laughs> well, what's the point of having it there in the first place? It's <laughs> Oh yeah, just effortlessly, just just moving straight back into his league commentary. But yeah, just 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 the right amount of irritation there as well about the fucking corner quadrant. Such a piercy thing to get annoyed by. I get the sense though with this, with the um, foreign commentaries he does, he has a bit. He he's sort of liberated, like he can go off on these tangents a little bit more. You know, smaller viewership, etc. So you get a bit more sort of. Um, unbridled pits and mm. I do really like as well what he sometimes does now which is we've talked about this before of like you can't really mention your other side gigs and other broadcasters but he'll sometimes bring in the fact that you know he's a player I have watched a lot of and, I'm, and I really like that I'm like mm. you absolutely should bring that in Jonathan yeah I think the, the, the only two sets of people are really annoyed by the, the quadrant one of is Jonathan Pierce and the other uh, are between three and five opposition fans near the <laughs> corner flag when it is kind of it's Lionsman, Lionsman. <laughs> Actually pointing at it as well, yeah. which is the best bit. Yeah. Um, naturally, having looked back at the footage, you know, the ball was perilously overhanging the quadrant. It, it was enough. It was in the right, it was, you know, to a millimetre in the exact right spot to trigger that sort of emotion in a very small demographic of football fan. So I'm not surprised it happened, but it looked like it was just within the, uh, the realms of legal corner taking. Will we ever see a gesture from a player or a manager? Sort Could of you do a quadrant gesture if you start with easy. a start with a triangle and then move your hands round, so you're making like a teardrop shape? Or maybe you have to maybe you have to kind of put your elbows together and then, which is slightly, and then do yeah, it's it's not easy. Not no. easy. But I'd love to see that develop. It's I'd not something you'd ever have to fran- sort of frantically do though, because it's it's. Um, I but I guess know. though, like if you're an opposition fan that Nick's describing, yeah, you might be, you're you're sort of desperately trying to say to the referee, it's a quadrant issue. Yeah, overhang. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe someone trying to do. You remember a few years ago when Dele Alli used to do that thing with his fingers mm. and his art and his art. Oh yeah, the and thing that like everybody, a, the craze, the internet craze. Of, yes, there was yes. an internet craze where people were trying to do it. Maybe this could be the next one. So of those. this could be the rebirth of Dele Alli. Yeah. This could be the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the death of the number ten, but the si- the quadrant he's, lives. He's signed for a venerable football club, but this is exactly. the this is what's going to bring him back. What a tangent that was, by the way. Um, reality TV news next. This is from Tanzin O'Connor, 
who has sent me in the direction of this tweet from Super TV 24-7. According to reports, Alison Hammond is producer's favourite to host the reboot of Big Brother on ITV2 next year. Quote, XX thinks she's exactly what the show needs. She's energetic, fun, relatable, and she was on the show, so she knows it inside out. She <laughs> yes. knows the show, Nick. Um, I mean, it's kind of it's, it's sort of the the, the the equivalent logic for getting like Gary Lineker to present Match of the Day, isn't yeah. it? Knows the game. Knows, knows the, the game. game. Knows the club. What is in Alison Hammond's intray, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think there'd be a sort of. Get the purists firing. Right. Because I think Big Brother went so far away, didn't it? You know, at the start, it was this anthropological experiment. It was really interesting. Then it became too gimmicky, and they were just chucking all sorts in. So I think it's sort of connect with the grassroots a little bit as Mm. well. The sort of original fans who've been lost a bit. Get the purists back on board. Mm. Get the ITV4 spin-off show firing again. Well, And actually make it a fortress, because you did have people... (laughs) There were the occasional escapes. Yes. Uh, Make the Big Brother house sandy in uh, series yeah. three, famously during Get England back up Nigeria those viewing figures tables. Anyway, brilliant. Um, <laughs> last one for this section. Um, three weeks into the season, it's time we reflected on ITV's choice of theme tune for their EFL highlights. This is the main theme tune. <laughs> Oh, whoa! Didn't, didn't see the sax solo coming. <laughs> Hello and welcome to two hours of EFL highlights from the frenetic Saturday alongside. Nick, my instant reaction here is lunchtime ITV chat show. It's this is not a football theme tune, not even close. I I, I was thinking kind of uh, budget. Uh, like ITV4 game show more, more mm. but you know similar early evening Saturday you know content filler kind of thing oh I'm not sure about this because as soon as you bring saxophone in Charlie that implies a, a, an element of sitting down and talking about something <laughs> whereas you can't have saxophones for competitive game shows it's very important too, too sedate not, not sort of yes lounge yeah or if another that that's a summer that's a really summary sport if, it, if it's going to be a sport that's not football. Um, cricket? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, could that, Nick, could that be a cricket? Th- it feels like slight shades of uh, some cricket highlights of years gone by, but at a push even. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it, doesn't sound, it doesn't feel very sporty to me at all. It, there's no sport element to it at all, and is there? I can't it, think of anything. It was, it was also particularly funny because I think it's Hugh Wusencroft who's presenting it. He was very good, but he said something about the intensity of, uh, of the Football League. That coming straight after that theme music. That's there's not... nothing about that saxophone that says anyone can beat anyone. <laughs> no, <laughs> Absolutely no. nothing. It's so inappropriate. I can't believe it. And that, um, it has to have been deliberate. What well, do you think? It's like a reaction. connect with a younger audience type vibe. No, clearly <laughs> not. I mean, not that you know the, the young. What are they like these days? <laughs> saxophone solo. <laughs> <laughs> what a spitballing meeting that would have been. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm stunned. Saxes? Absolutely stunned. Anyway. Uh, cast your minds back to Monday night, and you may remember Ismail Assar's long-range goal for Watford against West Brom. Um, a fairly fairly textbook halfway line effort, nothing out of the ordinary there in that particular genre. Um, a few people pointed out, Nick, um, that they would have expected the West Brom, some of the West Brom fans to applaud the goal, um, given its spectacular nature. And they were surprised that they didn't see anyone behind the goal kind of applauding it or anything like that. And um, I thought to myself, maybe that kind of that's, that kind of behaviour is dying out. It feels very mid-90s goal of the month behaviour to me. Do we still think it's a thing? Should it happen? Well, uh, I don't. I really don't think it's a, it's a thing anymore. Um, it does feel like mid-90s. I'm, I'm th- I've got Ewood Park in my head for some reason. Right. Oh, yeah. run down. Mm. Yeah, yeah, to to politely applaud the opposition's <laughs> player scoring a goal. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's um, Matt Letizia scoring that long ranger. Mm. I, I don't even know if the, the opposition fans did applaud it, but it sort of fits in my head. I think there's but, one or two. Yeah, yeah, but, but I don't know. The Hawthorns just feel like that that the, the, the kind of ground where that could happen because their okay. the, their fans always look so sort of sad about things so, so about their own team so they're just like yeah fair enough it's always very it always feels very passive aggressive doesn't it it's not it's like it's not you you're not 
necessarily going, oh yes, fair play, well done, uh, opposition player. It's like, well, they can do mm. this. Why don't you stick <laughs> to do something like that as well? I think it's a genuinely nice touch, Charlie. But um, I do wonder: is it governed entirely by the quality of the goal, or is there is there more context to it? I think I feel like opening goals could be applauded because you think, well, there's still time. You know, we can we can separate this from the rest of the game. That's an incredibly good goal, and I'm happy to applaud it. But you know, the game goes on. If it was like the, I don't know, the second in a two-one comeback victory, you're not going to applaud it. No one would. I th- yeah, I think of it more as like applauding individual players I mean like there was the famous Ronaldinho one where you know the Real Madrid fans couldn't help but applaud him after he scored mm. a kind of wonder goal uh, the Bernabeu I, so I don't know I don't know if there has to be that sort of context as well maybe there doesn't maybe it is just a kind of crazy individual goal but I can't think of many now where that happens and I certainly wouldn't expect it I think if, if it's done no. it's like a nice bonus but it's too toxic now, isn't it? That's what it is. It's just too toxic now. But Nick, interesting that Charlie uses the applauding a player off as an extension of that. I feel like I would, at a stretch, given the right context, the harmless enough context, applaud an opposition goal. But I wouldn't. I don't think I'd ever, ever be pathetic enough to applaud a player off, even if they dominated my team. You know, for eighty-four minutes, I, I, I can't imagine standing up and applauding an opposition player off too much. <sighs> You can do a kind of fair not, play. He was he was unplayable today, but stand up and applaud him off. Get out, get out. Not not even if it was a beloved figure who'd uh, you know un, un, undergone some kind of hardship like Christian Eriksen last season. Hey, now I mean that, that that's gone now. He's signed for Manchester United. But well, you're adding layers of narrative here that I wasn't prepared for. But um, but yeah, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <That's the> answer, <laughs> you've re- you've recovered from a, a life threatening condition, but you're not getting my applause, sir. What's my applause <laughs> worth? Nothing. Nothing. Um, anyway, glad we covered that. Um, quick one here from Chris Johnston, Charlie. I've just been to an Invisalign appointment and been told that after my treatment is finished, I'll be given the Rolls Royce of retainers to keep my teeth straight. <laughs> Applicable? <laughs> I bloody hope so. Fair play. Lovely. <laughs> so I love massive, I mean, cumbersome, but elegant at the same time. That's what you want I mean, from a retainer. Yeah, I guess they're slightly different in, the, in things that are manufactured because obviously Rolls Royce... You know, so much of it is the fact that it is supposedly, anyway, such brilliant manufacturing and feats of engineering and design. So you'd think things like retainers would be more um, more applicable hmm. than footballers. I actually saw. I meant to say I saw one on the way in. Um, My fair lady is as being um, a production is on at the moment, and the the quote is a Rolls Royce of a revival. So many people keep tweeting this to me. I made a little montage of it on Twitter the other yeah. day of all the different photos that people had sent to me. It's it's um, quite an enduring thing and quite reassuring for this podcast that people are connecting the two. But yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it. Never seen the original, let alone the remake. So uh, who knows? I'll have to take their word for it. But yeah, quite a nice term to use. Um, let's look at this weekend's football. Uh, the only one place really to start, which is Brentford 4, Manchester United 0. Um, we, we dwell on Peter Drury a lot on this podcast, Nick. Um, so there's no real need for me to build this up, apart from me to say that the total length of Drurian post-goal pauses for all four goals put together is 28 seconds. So that's <laughs> 28 seconds of him deliberating about what he's going to say next. And that is time very well spent, I think. This could open up kindly for the Silva. Really? 
may be happening. <laughs> Blink it back. Well, just well. The world is on its head. <laughs> Nick, what's your favourite piece of um, just off the top of his head commentary there for Peter Drury? I know this isn't, it's not going to be the headline uh, of all this, but I really liked um, It's Brian and Bromo because it, it kind of, that that's the sort of thing that you usually reserve for, you know, <laughs> your, your high strata players. Mm. Um, it kind of, <laughs> and it reminded me of, um, there was a game last season where Everton were getting completely gubbed. And Solomon Rondon came on, and Martin Tyler tried to ramp up the tension by saying, "But wait, it's Rondon." I realise there is so much uh, excellence in that uh, whole thing from Jury, but yeah, it's Brian and Bomo was the one that stood out for me. Interesting niche appeal for you, but um, yeah. Charlie, please tell me you're a it's scarcely digestible man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was good. I mean, you knew it was coming as well. At the end, I can't remember the exact word, but the sort of question is this real? Because that's a famous, yeah. that's a fa- you know, he did that with the Eto goal against Chelsea. Yeah, that, Dean Ashton's bicycle kick in his testimonial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what has happened to gravity? The other one I quite liked was uh, I know he kind of famously, I think he said on, on this very podcast that he, he wasn't on social media. But wow, just wow mm. is quite a sort of you know basic Twitter thing that people say. They oh. just kind of mm. you know, quote tweet something. Wow, just wow. It, I don't know. Are, are we have we kind of unpicked the thread here that Drury is actually online? I don't know. Maybe he, he's definitely social media aware, if not mm. if not um, fully engaged. But there's no doubt he knows of the discourse that goes on. Um, That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> Merk. I can, I can see it happening. I can sort of see him saying the words for some bizarre reason. Um, the aftermath of Brentford 4, Manchester United 0 um, led to some very angry callers into 606, which I was listening to for the first time in a very, very long time um, on a very long car drive home. And um, one, of the, one of the biggest pieces of currency, Nick, in 606 is the shirt, um, almost semi-figuratively. The shirt that 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 appears to be the running theme for twenty or thirty years on six oh six is the shirt, um, but some fans can just take this to, a little bit too far. This is from Elizabeth Barnard, who spotted this particular caller into six oh six, who who presented an opinion so odd that it almost felt like it was created by a prototype AI engine. I would get them players on the pitch and say, "Take your shirt off and lay it on the pitch," and then every one of you. Go back if you think you deserve to wear that shirt. Because right now, none of them do. So, Nick, uh, I realise, you know, as we've established, this shirt is such a vital part of their fan sentiment. But um, I think it's been taken too far, too literally here. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, what a spectacle it would would create. Just just imagining. I mean, in my head, every single member of the Manchester United squad is a, would be a little bit too embarrassed and, dare I say, humble to go and pick up the shirt, apart from Cristiano Ronaldo, who <laughs> stride in, pick up the shirt and, uh, and walk off again. Just an absolutely daft scenario being painted here, Charlie. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to work out what on earth would be gained from such a massively over-engineered uh, thing. Yeah, being fit to wear the shirt is a big... Yeah. Preoccupation, isn't it? It does mm. it does represent so much about a football club. I mean you can imagine Connor Cody talking about the importance of the shirt. That could have yeah. been in his unveiling video. I can imagine him talking about, you know, I, I wanna put on the shirt of this football club and, you know, wear it with pride. I wonder if it makes any difference, Nick, that it was the sort of um gruesome third shirt <laughs> as well, which 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 is actively described by Adidas. The colour is defined as um semi solar slime. Slime. Ferguson would be Ferguson would be spinning in his director's box about this, wouldn't he? <laughs> solar slime, good lord! Semi solar slime, so, not so, even the so. full, not even the full shebang. They haven't, yeah, even got the, haven't even got the courage of their convictions. Well, so, no, so do you think madness. that you think that some of the players might go? Well, I, I, I am sort of technically, I do technically think I'm good enough to play for this football club. <laughs> Just the home one, Just, please. but not that shirt. The away shirt's lovely, but yeah. that, the, yeah, not that one. That's disgusting. Hmm. This result, Charlie, does kind of suggest if we put all our cultural capital of the last decade or so of Premier League to- 
together. It does suggest that things are only going to go one way for Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag. Um, and then the the nugget of information, Eric Ten Hag wanted to make Manchester United players run 13.8 kilometres each during their extra training session on Sunday uh, because that equated to the extra distance that Brentford players ran more than them during the game on Saturday. Um, this <laughs> it just feels like... I, I, I know I'm going to say it, but it, it does feel like some an element from an athletic long read comes alive already. Uh, what's happening? Well, it did also appear in Adam Crafton's athletic long read. Mm. So it, it, that has happened. I mean, it sets a dangerous precedent as well, potentially, doesn't it? Of, uh, mm. you know, how how far some of these players are going to have to run. But I think but I think fans, again, like with um, wearing the shirt, I think fan, players being punished by doing extra running is something that, fans really appreciate because that's the, that's one of the punishments I can imagine like uh, the caller talking about the shirt I can imagine him wanting that to be dished out yeah. see how much they care make yeah. them run yeah I feel genuinely bad for them it must be a horrible horrible experience um, speaking of arduous treks Nick I'll put this to you first how long do you think a round trip should be for fans for it to become a notable thing for someone to mention? Either either the club thanking them, for example, or just being just generally known as a thing that they have had to do. This is usually, I don't know, it's usually measured in time rather than like miles, isn't it? It's like a, a an X hour round trip. If you could give it to me in miles, that would be that would be beneficial. <laughs> oh, okay, right, fine. Well, this is tricky because I have no concept of. Uh, I don't know, like four hundred miles. 400 miles, interesting. So 200 there, 200 back. Charlie, more or less? I think you could get away with doing it a bit lower. I think if it was about 150 each way, that's just about acceptable. The three, uh, you know, it's a 300-odd mile round. I think it would have to be 300-odd. I don't think it would be 300 dead. But I think, you know, these fans have had to travel 300-odd miles and they deserve better than that. Okay, well, after a 3-0 defeat at Sterling Albion this week, Stenhousemuir put out a tweet saying many thanks to the Warriors fans that made the 18 mile round trip to Sterling <laughs> <laughs> safe trip home and we'll see you back home next week as we welcome Dunbarton to Ockleview um, were they running there? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only circumstances in which I would say it's worth thanking I don't know maybe the transport network between between the two is difficult and, and I wouldn't put it wouldn't put it past them so uh, 18 miles though come on just expected it's your job Unless they just do that every game, as it's just a kind of bit of housekeeping. We, you know, we all we, we like to be exact about this sort of thing. Thanks for making the the eighteen mile round trip. The tweet Nick even has a little graphic of of the of the line between the two places. It looks pathetic. Just looks easy. I can do why, it. Why bring up the distance? Just say thanks for thanks for your support. That's fine. <laughs> just eighty miles. I don't know. Just really tickled me anyway. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Let's go over to the city ground. The scene of Nottingham Forest's first Premier League home game for 23 years. You may have been aware. It was trumpeted up quite a lot. Um, one of the um, standout performers for Nottingham Forest, Nick, was Dean Henderson. Mm. Who, um, who kept West Ham at bay. Uh, with, with what was widely described as a string of saves. Now, I haven't looked at the Opta data. Maybe I should. Um, how many saves should be in a string is basically the question I'm asking here. <laughs> um, instinctively, I'm going to say four, but string implies implies in quite a short sp- period of time. Oh. It? No? Really? Or, or, or can, I, you, can you extend a string over 90 minutes? I think a string could be extended across 90 minutes. Um, Charlie, I, I'm inclined to employ the sausage rule here. Um, should be a minimum of three because you can't have a string of two sausages. Um, mm-hmm. I've asked around; some people said it should be even four or five. Yeah, I think I that was exactly my instinct was four or five, and I think I'd probably go five. And I do know what you mean, Nick, that with the sort of instinctively you think of them being there at least being one point in the match where there was there were a few in quick succession. I mean, I guess technically some would say as long as a piece of string, if they were being <laughs> pedantic. Famously, it's a, a movable feast. But, you know, no, we have I, standards I you're right here. here. Yeah, there needs to be an element of concentration to it because if you produced, say, six saves, but it was one every 15 minutes, I think they'd start to be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> you do need, like, a good double save thrown in would be great. Or, or maybe a save to tip it over for a corner and then a save from the resultant corner. So, yeah, maybe it does help. It's greater than the sum of its parts, isn't it, Nick? You're on to something. Yeah. And to, to the, to, how many of the, the... I think you can get away with a, in, a, in a string. You can get away with a few kind of standards. You know, you'd expect him to save those saves. Do, 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 you, do you think you need a couple of, like, you know outstanding ones to qualify for the full string yeah you can pad it out with makeable saves but at least one of them needs to be one of those where your teammates will come up and congratulate you like give you a good high five or a ruffle of their hair because you know that's how good it was yeah and henderson yesterday made one very good kind of reaction save and then saved a penalty so i think that that qualifies Mm. um elsewhere at the city ground david moyes charlie lamented west ham's defending in the strongest possible terms uh, you'll just have to wait for it. You know, the goal was rotten, rotten to the core. And uh, really, really poor defending generally all over. And uh, Keystone's cops with it. And uh, that was poor defending. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see an airing for Keystone cops in the Premier League. Right at the top level. I haven't heard it for ages, especially from a manager as well. Keystone Cops was good. I thought it was going to be an under sevens or something. Yeah. I don't because I, I was thinking, what age is the most? You know, obviously they're schoolboy, but sometimes they get very specific. I mean, you know, that wouldn't look that wouldn't have looked out of place. My under set, my kids' under sevens team would have been a shame. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't even know. I'm not even sure that whether it qualifies for Keystone because Keystone Cops defending implies like you know someone's bashed into someone else and mm. you know. But it was just like, it was a bit of loose marking and then quite a lucky finish. Yeah, naive so, defending should never be Keystone. Key, Keystone Cops is slapstick, <laughs> like physical comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carelessness doesn't really come into it. So I think... It's, I, but, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would describe them giving Jesse Lingard how much space as careless, but not Keystone Cops. <laughs> no, that'd be a really rubbish episode of Keystone Cops, wouldn't it? We <laughs> didn't quite get there in time. <laughs> just, we we would have carelessness. solved it. We were just yeah. not quite there. Sorry. That would have been a terrible just, You've got to stay switched on as a cop. <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating. <laughs> Um, Charlie, let's put this one to you then. So let's say you do have a defender that's all over the shop, sort of, you know, sliding around, legs akimbo, not just completely hapless. What cultural reference could be used for that particular player at that particular moment? They were like... So I've got I've got sixes and sevens in my head. Think of a more um, animated cultural reference. Nick, you may step in here. Disney. Bambi on Ice. Bambi on Ice. Bambi on Ice is correct. Very good. Uh, This is from Flammable Sheep. I I love this evolution of a cliche. This has gone so well. Flammable Sheep says, a nice little football cliche-related detail that I noticed at the weekend. He says that um, the noted phenomenon of a defender being like Bambi on Ice has now evolved to someone saying he could have auditioned for a part in Bambi on Ice. <laughs> which is a show that doesn't exist. <laughs> People think Bambi on Ice is a thing. 
like a sort of dancing on ice. Yeah. That's tremendous. An easy mistake to make. I mean, there are so many things on ice now, Nick, that people Mm. probably assume that Bambi on ice is actually a thing that you can buy tickets for and go and see. But wow, the naivety of it is just so beautiful. It it feels like if someone was to produce Bambi on ice, they're sort of zeroing in on the wrong bit of the film because that's (laughs) it's not element. It's not really a core element, is it? No, it's okay. It's an incidental Mm. element to it, but Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a million pound way to be made. Maybe. If it was a show that was produced, well, I don't know. Maybe they would be going for slapstick, but it might also be some quite good ice work, you'd imagine. Yeah. Would you need trained it, ice skate dancers? I'm not so sure. exactly. So I think yeah. in that in that instance, you would want people who were quite good. Mm. It might, you know, depending if it was a kind of Rolls Royce revival. But, but then, they would have to pretend to be shit at dancing on ice. Well, that's this is the well, you'd have to be pretty good actually to be able to pretend to be bad. You wouldn't just get amateurs <laughs> in to to sort of that'd be dangerous. Yes, yeah. it's what they always say about like people who play the piano in a comedy manner. Or oh, you got to be very good to actually yes play, intentionally play the piano badly. <laughs> or like that thing like you've got to know the rules in order to be able to break them yeah yeah nicely put that, that sounds just... very tennis to me I bet, I bet that tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is you don't even have to say anything anyway just, just, just a few just a few tips for any theatre impresarios out there <laughs> Bill Kenwright if you're listening yeah. the only impresario <laughs> in existence of course um, Rob Barker writes in Nick says at the end of the Forest West Ham game the Sky commentator mentioned West Ham having rattled the aluminium Whilst probably accurate, should a classic cliche like this be updated to reflect construction materials? Um, I, th- I would have thought that was the most up-to-date reference you could have. Yeah, I, I, I actually did spot this as well when it was said, and I, I quite welcomed it. I liked the, uh, I, I liked the updating. There's, you know, there's no these these cliches can evolve. There's no, they, they don't don't need to be, uh, you know, stuck in the days where it was just kind of woodwork. So yeah, I'm all for it. I agree. It. it was. It was a nice little switch up. I'm uh, happy with that. It was a uh, Daniel Mann on commentary Charlie and uh, producer Phil quipped that it was cruel of Sky to give Forrest a championship commentator for their first TV game <laughs> I, th- you, you know I, I thought as I was sitting there watching it I thought exactly that and I, th- I composed a <laughs> did tweet did you feel short changed like genuinely it was it was like the, I felt it was like they, it, like they were sort of easing us in uh, <laughs> kind of well you know it's a Premier League it's going to be a big culture shock so we're going to get a get a familiar voice for you to listen to Charlie, it's like getting a temporary login on your first day in a new job. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, we've got Daniel Mann for you. You write this for, for the first week. <laughs> no offence to Daniel Mann at all, obviously. This, yeah. this podcast doesn't um, get involved in that nonsense, Ooh. but still. Paired, paired, with, in there th- paired with Andy Hinchcliffe as well, which is mm. a, the, the, a real kind of uh, a, a real kind of double easing in. That's Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's like they talk about an FA Cup ties, don't they, sometimes? The importance of is it going to be... A lower league ref? Is it going to yeah. be a Premier League ref? And yeah, it does make a difference. Right, it's time for For My Sins Corner, and I enjoyed the format of uh, of making my guests pinpoint the moment that For My Sins will arrive. So I preserved it for this <laughs> week's. Um, Nick, if you're not familiar <laughs> yes. with the rules, they are as follows. I want you both to shout, will say the magic words. If you go prematurely, then you're out. That's it. But if the guest says it before either of you get it, then you both lose. Um, I think that's roughly clear. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to play the clip, and uh, it's up to you whether you want to keep your powder dry or not. We cannot put it off any longer. <laughs> it's time to do Popmaster 1028. And so, here with us now from Hazelmere and Surrey, it's Ray Isha. Hello, Ray. Uh, good morning, Ken. How are you doing? Very good, thank you very much. How are you? Um, well, very nervous, actually, surprisingly, but uh, there we go. No, ah, well, fine. look, once you've started speaking, it's, it just gets easier and easier. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Um, well, actually, I'm, I was in the fire service for 30 years. Before that, the RAF for five years, and uh, currently I um, have a, a publishing business for railway books with my lovely wife Deb oh right oh we all love a railway book what sort of uh, oh, I mean yes. uh, how detailed are they how uh, narrow focus are they would you say <laughs> um, well they're thumpers to specific lines my father-in-law <laughs> started the business sadly passed away last year so we want to finish his legacy but basically broken up all the lines geographically and we're gradually progressing up the country so we're sort of up in the Midlands and Scotland now so a long way still to go fabulous fabulous i shall start looking them up and listen you yeah. ap- you appear on screen sometimes 
Um, yes, so for my sins. For my sins. You left it too long. <laughs> I, I was waiting what he was going to say. Then it was going to be the for my sins. Do you know what? Do you know what? Despite you both failing gloriously to pinpoint the For My Sins, could we just hear the final part of that clip? Because we've established that he was in the fire service, the RAF, and is now self-publishing books about every single train line in the UK. None of those qualified. <laughs> what was it? And listen, you you appear on screen sometimes. Um, yes, so For My Sins, that was my daughter. She put my son-in-law for the Transformers film the last night. He didn't get a part, but I took a horrible picture of myself, got a part, and I've done a few other things since. Oh, right. <laughs> what? Hang on. What a man. He, he, he gazumped his son-in-law for something. <laughs> he said he really likes Stuart Pearce as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not accepting that for my sins. If he, you know, he's applied for it. He didn't just stumble it from initially. I thought he must have just stumbled into that, but... He's, like he's had agency in, in it. He's been in film after film after film, but didn't actually clarify what he was doing. I mean, I presumed it was extras work, but I'm very confused about what this guy is doing in his life. But um, but seems to be having a great time. A life and, uh, well lived. Yeah, clearly, absolutely. Um, this is from uh, Kevin McNulty, who says that the podcast is ruining his life, <laughs> which was a nice opening to an email to receive. Um, he was listening to the Guardian Football Weekly podcast and uh, got a little glimpse into the personal life of Barry Glendenning. Um, I I have quite a few Arsenal fans in my circle of friends for my sins, and they are all they have all lost the run of themselves already on the back of a successful <laughs> preseason and a two nil win over Crystal Palace. Now, um, I'm not I'm I'm not, not sticking this in just for the on the basis of the of the magic words themselves, Charlie. Um, we talk often about which clubs qualify for being for my sins. I think this is an even more exclusive club, a club that you're slightly embarrassed to know people who support that club, which I think narrows the field right down. I'd say Arsenal should be in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're known for having sort of insufferable um, supporters. I guess it does make sense for my sins because he's saying he's paying for his sins by having to listen to their drivel right. a little bit, isn't it? I think that's, that's sort of the implication. I, I was so, saying he's going as far to say he's paying for his sins by having to know Arsenal fans. Yeah, I think that's what he's getting at. And by that logic, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, would United fit into that now? Maybe they're not so. Maybe it would have. Or maybe, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s with lots of United fans for my sins. Yeah, when they were really lauding it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Maybe that would be a better, I'd, sort of more accurate yeah. one. Because. Nick, knowing fans who support a typically for my sins team does not necessarily compute no. to be, being for your sins to know them because they just might be just slightly whingy and slightly sort of um, um, existentialist, but that doesn't necessarily translate. So, but I think Arsenal might be the archetype for this. Uh, and uh, have we talked about the the kind of the journey from a non for my sinsy team to a for my sins team? Because that's because United are surely the perfect example. Like mm. you know, ten. Five ten years ago, they weren't, but now, I mean, particularly after these two games, very foremost in surely. I think it's a fluid concept, but it but it it has to move fairly slowly because you have to build up mm. that mm. collective experience. It can't you can't just suddenly like that be for my sins. So yeah, I don't want yeah, people to <laughs> think that you could just switch. You couldn't have like a for my sins yo-yo club. No, it's not like a you know Fulham or a Norwich. You can't. No, <laughs> you're not changing year on year for 100%. my sins. It, it does. It needs to be like. A glacier moving. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And next question comes from Betting Hombre, Nick, who asks, how many and what sort of misfortunes does a team have to suffer before we, before we can say it's not their day? Um, this, this comes down to kind of goal-scoring opportunities, doesn't it? I'd say great goalkeeping from the opposition keeper comes first. Then I think you need at least one, how did that not go in? moment sort of ruining their luck and then maybe an optional extra of like a sucker punch a goal against the run of play say how's your luck that sums it all up yeah I think uh, not not to be focused too much on this game but West Ham very much qualified for that oh yeah on on Sunday you've got there's a lot of elements there two strikes of the aluminium obviously Uh, Mm -hmm. miss a miss penalty I think at least two clearances off the line a disallowed goal a disallowed goal yeah um, and and again a string of saves by the uh, the opposition goalkeeper. So yeah, that's that 
that's, that's that feels absolutely textbook. It was literally being said in the Stamford Bridge press box as oh. the game was being watched. There you go. There you go. Just not West Ham's not day. their day. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a nice way of just completely writing off a defeat, I think, Charlie. It's just washing your hands of it, saying, this just wasn't our day. Um, it's perfectly acceptable football philosophy. I mean, the stats community might just frown at it, but I just think I think it's an enduring thing. You just say, well, that's it, done. Can't yeah, last. you do get a sense. I mean, I guess the, another question is, how early can you call a, it's just not their day, which we may have discussed before. I can't remember, but... I mean, starting you're, you're to ob- think that it's not their day. Yes, so it can creep yes. in. That well, that's yeah. a good way out. Because, but I think around, I mean, I don't know. Around the hour mark is early to do it, but mm. I think that's why you would say the starting to think. Yeah, because there's just that feeling of you do just wonder. I think the only I, thing you can go early with in this sort of sphere is it's going to be a long afternoon for. Mm. Um. That's a safer bet. Yeah. That's a much that you know, if you're two 0 down at the Etihad after ten minutes, it's gonna be a long old afternoon. And it, it, yeah. it, it's also it's it's I think isn't this is an element of uh, like an early element of it's not just not their day is will they rue uh you know mm. this X miss chance. Will they and, go on to rue this? Yeah, yeah. That, that that feels like yeah. it's gonna that feels like it has to come in the first half, uh, or will they rue? Um But I think that's more when you're ready ahead you're one 0 up or something. And you're you're missing a load of chances. Yes, so they go on yeah. to ruin these chances. That's getting ahead of it. If, if you're mm. the if you're like the favourite team and you miss an early chance, will they, is that a, is that a ruin or is that is there too much assumption that you are going to score later on in the game? Yeah, that's just knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, right, let's move on to the big game of the weekend. Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2 at Stamford Bridge. So much going on. Um, but uh, in between all those, we've looked into the cracks and found other things. Um, the chaos began, says Matt Williams, um, when Loftus-Cheek was venturing into the Tottenham area and Martin Tyler said he was caught in three mines. <laughs> Charlie, I've never heard this before. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it can happen. It, I mean, practically speaking, yeah. it's possible, isn't it? You could have three options available to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's no more ridiculous than two. We, we only have one. Any is, any is an exaggeration. A string of uh, mines. A string of mines. Yeah. I mean, it's like that thing, of, you know, you've got too many options or too much time. Mm. It's kind of an extension of that. Would you, Nick, would you ever advocate going higher than three? I don't think a player could be caught in four mines. That's just silly. No, because I mean, what, what, what are the, how many options can a player have at any one time? That's, yeah. And also, it relies on the commentator identifying those four options at the same time, which is a task in itself. So I think three has to be the hard ceiling for this. Yeah, if you go any higher, then it's kind of you're into the realms of like um, exaggerating for comic effect, which mm. is always a dicey area. So yeah. <laughs> agreed. Um, this game was overshadowed to an extent, Charlie, by the handshake incident at the end between Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel. Um, I mean, we're used to hand- the handshake gates. We're used to the, conge- the trajectory of the story. We're used to the body language of it all, the, the, the toing and throwing, the huffing and puffing in technical areas and all that sort of stuff. Not, not massively bothered about talking about that. But there's a weird ending to all of this, which is Antonio Conte's Instagram where he joked about tripping up Thomas Tuchel as he'd run to celebrate Chelsea's second goal. And I just thought this was a really weird ending, like a weirdly amicable, like chuckily ending to this. It was almost like Conte had thought, how can I diffuse this? I'm going to go down the two teams have been drawn together in the Champions League on Twitter, banter route on Instagram, and and to really diffuse it. Because it, it is the... It's, I think it's actually quite a nice touch. It's well, not the sort of thing I would expect from Conte, but Instagram seems to have this thing. Like Mourinho's little brand on Instagram is completely different, and so seems Conte's too. Yeah, Conte's done this a bit. He did this with um, earlier in the season where they were taught that Spurs scored counter-attacking goals, and he did a he put up the video of one of their goals and said like counter-attacking with like three crying with laughter emojis, and he finished this one to Tuchel with three crying with laughter emojis. So it's. Uh, yeah, I think it is a big part of his sort of online personal brand. And both he, him and Tuchel were kind of keen to take the sting out of it, which is a bit annoying. I mean, as a me- you know, media, you really want that sort of uh, uh, that aggro to live on. It reminded me a bit playing Sunday League once where a friend of mine, he did a really bad slide tackle on someone. And the guy got up being like, you know, what the what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. how, you know, what, what, sort of, what sort of a tackle is that? And my friend was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Like, I mistimed it. Like, yeah, it was about tackle. And he just didn't really know what to do. It sort of blew his mind a little bit. And it's kind of saying that, yes, it was like, Thomas, you and Antonio, you're really going for each other. He's like, yeah, no, it was all fun. 
no, but you must hate him. Don't you hate him? <laughs> Not really. It's the same question for you. So you hate him. It's amazing how really blind happen. we are, Nick, to the concept of heat of the moment. Like, we acknowledge heat of the moment in the moment, but we refuse to accept it afterwards. Like, you know, these these two blokes are probably absolutely fine with each other. It's just like something they did in the heat of the moment. No, no, no. No, 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 it is. It is. It all feels a bit rugby to me. You know that thing that <laughs> rugby, player, rugby players say, you know, oh, shake the hands off. Yeah, the shake the hands afterwards and have a pint of something, you know, warm afterwards and uh, and all be fine. Mm. No, no, I, I, I'd like, I'd like more. I mean, obviously I'd like more aggro to continue. And it, it felt like a, it almost felt like a bit of a, a double act as well because Tuckle did the, just did the kind of fairly straight in the Sky interview at least did this fairly straight back. Well, you know, this is what happens on on the pitch, yeah. and I haven't, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't got a problem with it. And then Conte took it to the next level with a sort of more of a a kind of banter meme type thing yeah. in his Instagram. So oh, I yeah. think that's the end of it. I have to say, yeah, yeah I don't think there's going to be sort of any part two narratives in the in the reverse fixture. But Charlie, you've got a slightly niche Antonio Conte observation for us. Well, there are a couple of things actually coming out of this game. One was in the pre-match, and I think he'll do this again because he's, he, he's been one of his sort of return themes he keeps returning to is how good Chelsea are. Mm. And as part of that, Conte has been talking about how they won the Club World Cup. And the Club World Cup is a weirdly named event, and he's really struggled with it. And again, the, all the caveats, he's speaking his second language, sure. incredibly impressive with that. But he's done quite a lot of different variants, um, the World Cup for clubs, the World Cup of clubs, etc. But one I really enjoyed was they won the World Cup as a club, <laughs> which I which I just thought was a, as if like this was an incredible, you know, to win the World Cup as a club, you've got to be, you know, to be being Brazil and Argentina. I just that makes really you better, if anything. Yeah, I just really like the idea of a, a team doing that at some point, just mm. kind of entering in and against all the odds, winning the competition. Won the World Cup go. as a football but, club. the football club world football cup um yeah yeah um that's the sort of attention to detail we like on this podcast thank you charlie Uh, was there a second one sorry yeah on the game no i just thought i i was thinking about because i think i heard someone saying oh this it was a game that had everything and i don't think it quite qualified for that but i think there's a sort of in-between category which is can you imagine on match of the day two mark chapman saying Pick the bones out of that <laughs> at the start. I thought this was squarely that, though he didn't actually say those words about this game. But I thought that is another category, and this was that. It wasn't had everything, but it was a pick the bones out of that. Chance. I agree that it fell short. I agree that it fell short because it's early days. There's a lot of there's a lot of football still to be played this season. We don't have to anoint Nick a game that has everything just yet if it didn't. Yeah, sorry. Just to uh, just something that occurred about much today too. I don't know whether how long they've been doing this, but it only just occurred to me watching it yesterday. Is a slightly strange setup they have where the presenter sitting in the middle and the two pundits are either side of him, mm. which makes kind of sort of talking and them both making points slightly awkward because he has to you know turn right for Jermaine Genius and and left for Farrell Williams. It just it felt it felt awkward. Whereas <laughs> Lineker is is he's always. I don't on know the, why they would mess the, with it. I don't understand why they would but mess with the they, format. I think they had that last season. I think, or I assume, it's to make it a slightly more loungy feel. A mm, kind of... Because right. it has to differentiate itself from Match of the Day. So I think it's a bit more... We're kind of all having a chat rather than Match of the Day, which is a more panel sort of... Yeah. Uh, okay, well, fair, I'd yeah, say, Nick, Nick, having... If you've just if you spotted it in the last twenty four hours, I give it another twenty four hours until everybody else spots <laughs> it. It becomes a national scandal. The BBC have messed <laughs> oh, around with the the go. seating format for pundits on match of the day too. God, uh, I, I missed which they nodded Winter's to, to say at the start it. of match of the day. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> I, I kind of missed. Was was there a backlash to Lineker's you know wry gang? Yeah, there was. There was. There was. Okay, there was, there was a huge, yeah, it wasn't funny at all. <laughs> I read in one column. Um, it, on on the similar theme to uh, pick the bones out of that, Charlie, I really like this. This is from Sam, who said there was an absolute textbook. It feels a long time ago now from Dave Jones while reviewing the first Chelsea goal after the match. I, that, I mean, I mean, again, yes, it has to have yeah. had quite a lot for it to feel like a long time yeah. ago now. Yeah, I really like it feels a long time ago now because it's a sort of like oh, we're getting our breath back. Yeah. And we're going, you know, we're going right back. Sometimes to, it know. does feel like a long time yeah. ago now. No, though. no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a vibe. Totally totally accurate uh they, they'll it? have to show the kind of seventh minute chance or something when it all kicked mm. off or a goal even if it's like mm. a four three can, when you feel it you feel it it's true can you apply it feels like a long time ago to either end of the scale can it so if say if there's a goal in like 
the the in the first five minutes, and then nothing happens for the rest of the game until right. something happens late on. Can you apply? Well, that goal feels like a long time ago, doesn't it, to Team X? I think in that case, you'd need the extra narrative twist of the goal that happened a long time ago being a good thing for the team that eventually ended up screwing it up. So it was like it was dreamland for them back then. Right. Um, you know, things were going well then, but look what's happened now. A lot of water under the short-term bridge since then. So it needs to be a twist in events, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you mean it when it's just really boring and when it's when a game's dragged on? Yeah, possibly. That's, that's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, th- like, oh, it's... Yeah, I feel stuff needs to have happened. Right. It, would, it would seem quite inappropriate to say that, even if it did feel like a game that had gone on forever. But that's a different kettle of fish, mm, I is, think. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, God, it feels like ages ago. This, yeah. uh, that yeah. first minute goal, that first minute own goal, settled it. That's right. Um, the start of this podcast feels like a very long time ago, but it's time indeed for Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. Sandra Martinez very much in the crosshairs <laughs> of Rich Keys once more. He's an obvious target, obviously, but no one lays into someone quite like Richard Keys. He took one of his big money signings off at half time, the wee man, the centre back. Yeah. Took him off. Yeah, he did. He, how can you be so naive as to go into a game against Brentford, who are giants, mm-hmm. with, with a pint pot at centre back? No. You know you're going to get swamped. <laughs> Pint pot. <laughs> are Brentford's notorious for being giants? I think they are. Are they? I think they got a lot of big players. I think that's mm-hmm. a, that's a fair observation. And uh, but yeah, pint pot is not something I expected to hear, to be honest. <laughs> but it, but it was. Uh, I know we, we, we're treating this with a bit more serious than it perhaps deserves. But he was. <laughs> it was. It was Lissandro Martinez beaten in the air for the for goal anyway by Ben Mee, who is famously another not very tall centre back. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'm not really entering the spirit of Keys and Grey Corner here, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's, there's something that there's, we're at the kind of second half of this unfolding war about whether it's okay to be a five foot nine centre back, Charlie. And the evidence from this weekend suggests it's not. It's not. And we did see this coming. Mm. We knew this would be a big battleground. Yep. For Ke- I mean, it it is incredible now how many things happen, and I just can't wait to hear what Keys <laughs> thinks about it. But certainly, Brentford four, Manchester United nil. I think a nation <laughs> licked its lips, and I mean the UK as well as Qatar. Well, I mean, part of your anticipation perhaps is because you kind of know what Richard Keys is going to say about most things, and to be honest, he has pretty much the same answer for everything. Is somebody? That- somebody? Somebody has to give somebody time at United. Exactly. The right somebody man. Somebody has exactly. to. The exactly. right man. What he should have done yesterday is come out with his, put his shoulders back, his chest out. He should have done what Big Ron or, as I said, Tommy like Duck would have done as the manager. Manchester United is special. You've got it to says, have it, it, it stardust. Is, is it and he special? just looks like a frightened rabbit. Is it, is it still He's special? actually sprinkling yeah. dust yeah. at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. For players, yeah. to attract yeah. players. Yeah. Well, well, that's a different thing. Exactly. There's nothing like the Keyesian pumping out of the chest, Charlie. Big man. Big characters. We should point out as well at this point who his his tip for the Manchester United job was Mark Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> he famously knows the club, uh, having left it thirty years ago. So I mean, I, I would be curious to know. I mean, that would be an interesting experiment. But yeah, he's uh, you know, it's fair to say he's been sceptical about Ten Hag from the start, mm. and uh, his delight is palpable, and it's amazing to watch. Um, big man, big ego, and of course this was a big weekend for the Premier League, celebrating 30 years of its own existence. And uh, if it's a birthday for the Premier League, then it's a birthday for Richard Keith. <laughs> yes, if I remember correctly, 30 years ago, I was saying Nottingham, one of the prettiest cities in the country. Nottingham, one of the prettiest cities in the country. A sporting tradition here stretching all the way back to Robin Hood. A sporting tradition here stretching all the way back to Robin Hood. The River Trent cuts through the middle of the city. The River Trent cuts through the middle of the city. On one side, Notts County. On the other, Nottingham Forest, the home of the former European champions. On the one side, Notts County. On the other, Nottingham Forest, the home of the former European champions. 
Not much has changed, has it? Uh, a long time ago, isn't Forest play today. And by the way, son, you're looking as good as ever if I may be so bold. Forest play today first. Liverpool are also in action, but not until Monday. Why didn't they rig it? Uh, exactly. Monday night football, Liverpool play Crystal Palace. Honestly. Why didn't they? Why didn't they rig it? The little thing at the end there. Just why, why just didn't they for make me. it perfect for me? For me. <laughs> um, is there anything more keysy, Charlie, than quoting himself? <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly as well. Absolutely verbatim. Absolutely nailed it. But there's a. Uh, on top of that, his voice has changed a lot. Loads. Yeah, I've seen that. He the was delivery. very clipped back in the day, mm, wasn't he? Really City. Really. <laughs> Really different delivery. I don't remember him sounding quite like that. Yeah. I mean, you, Nick, you raised an eyebrow at the uh, sporting tradition, going back to Robin Hood. Oh, just, are, you, are you skeptical of that as a sport? Yeah. Or? <laughs> well, yeah, rubbing from the... I mean, uh, presumably he's referring to archery. But um, Yeah, I imagine it was the archery element. But yeah, The ancient uh, sport of stealing from the rich and giving <laughs> to the poor. Yeah, it, I don't think that's that was quite the primary purpose of Robin Hood's archery skills, <laughs> to kind of you know, win competitions around... Get in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, just and then the final flourish there of of him hoping that the Premier League would change its entire schedule, <laughs> just to, just so he could um, he could quote exactly his opening to the first Super Sunday. Charlie, the, the is man's that one of power, those things? Perceived yeah, power knows no bounds. Is that one of those things that in those like fixture computer explainers? <laughs> there, there isn't. There are other considerations. Sometimes broadcasters will make requests for specific nostalgic links narrative to their past, parallels, just, and that is okay. There's just there's just one word in the spreadsheet, Keezy. <laughs> Charlie, your day of podcasting is finally over. Uh, the Totally Football Show must feel like a very long time ago right now. <laughs> Indeed it does. Thanks to you very much, Nick Miller. I hope the city ground continues to smell of football yeah. for a little while longer. I should just should just say that you know, Keezy getting annoyed about something to do with Nottingham Forest, which he did do later on, is a real kind of... I bet one of the final staging posts in the has it all sunk in yet states. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back to the Premier League Nottingham Forest. Cheers to you both for the adjudication panelling today. Cheers. Thank you. And we'll see everybody on Thursday. Bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.